I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 27. We will pick up in verse 46 where we left off last Sunday as we continue walking our way at least this week through the book of Genesis over the month of December. We will divert from that. Uh, But this Sunday morning, we will continue on in this series that we began at the beginning of this year, looking at the very first book of the Bible and trusting that the Lord would speak to us through His Word. And so this morning, as we look at a message entitled, The God of Jacob, my hope and prayer is that it will encourage and challenge us as we consider what it means for the Lord to be our God. Heard the story of a man who was incredibly wealthy, who was approaching the end of his life, and he called together all of his family, his kids, his grandkids, his great-grandkids around him, and they all knew that he was incredibly wealthy, and he shared with them that even though he was incredibly wealthy and that they stood to inherit a large sum of money, he looked at his oldest son and he said, I want you to make me one promise before I die. When you bury me, I want you to take everything that I have in the bank and I want you to put it in the coffin with me when I die. The son really didn't know what to say, and so he looked at his dad, and he said, I, I guess, Dad, I'll honor that wish. And his dad looked at him, and he said, listen, I want you to do this, and here's the reason why. I am a self-made man. Everything that I have, I earned by working with my own hands, and None of you are going to get a dime of that. So the man passed his son right before the people from the funeral home closed the casket. The funeral director looked at him and he said, is there anything you'd like to place in the casket? And the son walked up and with his dad lying there, He said, Dad, I want to honor your wishes. We've sold everything that you have. It amounted to $10 million. And so, Dad, here's a check for $10 million. I hope it serves you well. It's interesting when you think about, some of y'all will get that on the way home this morning. It's interesting when you think about an inheritance, things that are passed from one generation to the next, things at the end of your life that you'll leave as an inheritance to your kids or to your grandkids. And what's interesting is in the scriptures, it's very clear that there is one thing in particular that you cannot pass to your kids or to your grandkids, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. That is a personal decision that every single person has to make for themselves. 
Though you can raise your kids, though you can help train your grandkids, though you can be involved in their lives to hopefully pass down the faith to them that you've received, they must come to the point where they choose whether or not they will trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior or not. As we look at the text this morning, we have navigated through 27 chapters of the book of Genesis. We've seen God's glory on display in creation. We've seen God working on behalf of Abraham and then from Abraham to Isaac to make sure that his plan and his purpose are flowing through them, his covenant that he would bless them, make them into a great nation, and that through them all the nations of the earth would be blessed. We know the fulfillment of that is in Jesus Christ coming to this earth. But at this point in time, what we see is that near the end of Isaac's life, his son Jacob is going to come to a point where he has to make a decision. Will the God of his grandfather Abraham and the God of his father Isaac be his God? I want to read the text for us this morning, and as we do every week, we'll walk back through it together. Genesis chapter 27, beginning in verse 46, this is God's word. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise and go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother." God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Paddan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, beside the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring." Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, 
And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said. Amen. As we look at the text this morning, if you want to write down the main idea that will frame our time together, it's this truth. I've mentioned it before. Faith is not inherited. It is a personal response to who God is and what he has done. Faith is not inherited. It is a personal response to who God is and what he has done. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to take note that in verses 46 of chapter 27 through verse 5 of chapter 28, we see that Isaac and Rebekah have a concern for who Jacob is going to marry. Remember that a lot has transpired at this point in that family. Remember that there was sibling rivalry going on between Jacob and between Esau, his twin brother, His father loved Esau more. His mom loved Jacob more. They battled it out together. Remember that Jacob had stolen the birthright from Esau as he gave it in lieu of having some soup to eat one day. And remember last week as we looked that Isaac had been tricked by Jacob into giving the blessing that he would have typically given to his firstborn son Esau to Jacob instead. We've we've seen a lot happen over the last chapter and a half or so in the book of Genesis. And one of the fascinating things is that throughout that, we see very clearly that Esau has no care or concern for following God's plan for the future. In fact, he had married two women of the area that were foreigners, it had broken his mom and his dad's heart, and we see that on display in verse 46. Rebecca says to Isaac, we cannot let this happen with Jacob. 
He can't marry one of the Hittite women as his brother has done. We need to send him away to our people so that he is willing to marry someone who is not a foreigner. It's interesting in the midst of this, this is not foreigner in the sense of someone who is of a different country or land. Their concern primarily is that Jacob would marry someone who is of like faith to his own. I just want to encourage you, parents, as you think about your kids and their future, would you encourage them, challenge them, help them to see the importance of the person that they marry, that it should be someone who is a believer like them? That's their concern in this moment. This concern is that Jacob would not marry a foreign woman at this point. They were worried about him worshiping false gods as they did, and so they say, it's time for you to leave. They have a place in mind. They say, go back to where Laban is, your mother's brother. In fact, they said, certainly he would have a daughter that you would be able to marry. They send him out. They bless him there in verse 3 of chapter 28, and Jacob leaves. It's interesting that Esau picks up on what's going on in verses 6 through 9. In fact, he looks and realizes that maybe he messed up. He's noticed that the blessing that had gone to Jacob should have been his blessing, and so he says, maybe I can fix this. They're sending Jacob away. Maybe I can slip in and be the son that receives the blessing once again, and so he goes again, totally missing God's plan and God's purpose for marriage, one man, one woman for life. He's already married two women. He says, why not make it three? And there he takes one of the daughters of Ishmael to be his third wife. We see that on display here, once again, the difference between Jacob and Esau. And we know that God's plan and God's purpose is to use Jacob for it to, the covenant to flow through Jacob. And so Jacob is gone. Verse 10, it says, Jacob left Beersheba. He went toward Haran. He came to this place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. He's journeying to where Laban, his uncle, is. He is going to honor his parents. He's going to do what they've asked him to do, to marry one of Laban's daughters. And he's out in the middle of the wilderness. He grabs a rock for a pillow. He puts it up under his head, and he falls fast asleep. In verse 12, He dreamed and behold, notice what his dream is. There was a ladder set up on the earth and on top of it, it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Anybody else have crazy dreams every once in a while? Anybody remember the dreams on the back end of it? Oftentimes I don't remember them, but there's times when I do remember them and I think, That was crazy. But at this point in time, I want you to notice that this dream is not by accident. In fact, it is the plan of God to reveal himself to Jacob in this moment. 
And as Jacob is dreaming and seeing this ladder that is set up and the top of it reaches to the heavens, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. I want you to notice the first part of verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down, we'll see in two separate sections of the text moving forward that God reveals himself to Jacob And then we're going to see Jacob's response to it. But notice first that God reveals to Jacob his identity. God says, this is who I am, Jacob. I am the Lord. I am the one true God. The God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. In this moment, it's interesting because at no point so far have we seen any conversation between Jacob and the Lord. We've seen that play out with Abraham, his grandfather in the Lord. We've seen God call Abraham to leave his homeland and to journey. We've seen God make a covenant with Abraham. We've seen that on display. We saw a couple of chapters ago, God called to Isaac and revealed himself in a very similar way to Isaac in chapter 26. But up until this point, at no time have we seen the Lord speak directly to Jacob until this moment. In fact, you could say up until this point in time, Jacob had heard about the Lord. You got to imagine the stories that Jacob had heard up until this point about how God had called his grandfather Abraham to leave his land and to go to the land of promise and, and how God had called Abraham to himself and said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you this land and Through you, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. I could imagine that he had heard that story. I could imagine that he had heard from his father Isaac the story of him being taken up onto the Mount of Moriah to be sacrificed to the Lord. Do you remember that story as we covered it? Imagine as a child probably hearing that. Hearing from his father, hey son, I almost died, pay attention. And yet at no point have we seen any indication that Jacob has spoken to the Lord or heard from the Lord until the first part here of verse 13. And God in his grace reveals himself to Jacob. And notice how he does it. I am the Lord. I am the one true God. He would have known very clearly in the land that he was living among the Hittites, all of the false gods, he would have known them. Remember, that's why his parents wanted him to leave that land. And the Lord says to him, I am the one true God. I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. This is who I am, Jacob. We look at that and we think, what a gracious 
response from the Lord in this moment. And would I just remind us this morning that we have also experienced this ourselves. Because God reveals himself to us through his word. God reveals himself to us through his word very clearly. This is who God is. He is perfect in righteousness. He is holy. He is the creator. That is the God who is being described here. That's the God we read about in the pages of Scripture. And as we come to this season, we know in this Christmas season, it is the God who took on flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus Christ, who reveals himself to mankind. We have the privilege of being able to pick up the pages of Scripture and read them from ourselves and to see who God is, but for Jacob, it's the first time that he sees it for himself, the identity of God. I want you to notice not only does God reveal to Jacob his identity, but notice in the second part of verse 13 and through verse 14 that God also reveals to Jacob his plan. Notice, he says, after, here's who I am, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Remember, this is the same thing that was promised to Abraham. This is the same thing that was promised to his father Isaac. The Lord says, this land that you are on, I'm going to give to you. But he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 14, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. If you remember with Abraham, the Lord said that your offspring will be like the sand on the seashore. You cannot number them. Here we see this promise continue on, this plan. This is what God is up to. And notice the last part here. Your offspring, all the nations, the families of the earth will be blessed through them. God says to Jacob, here is who I am, and here is my plan for you and for those who would come from your lineage. Notice that the Lord doesn't leave it there, though. I want you to notice in verse 15, not only does the Lord reveal his identity to Jacob and his plan to Jacob, but he reveals to Jacob his promise. Verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. In this dream, Jacob encounters the Lord and hears from the Lord his identity, hears from the Lord the plan that God is at work to bring to fruition, and hears from the Lord the promise that he will never leave Jacob. He will accomplish through him exactly what he desires to accomplish through him. 
Now we look at that and we think, man, what it must have been like to be Jacob in this moment, to have heard that from the Lord, to have heard the Lord say, here's who I am, to have heard the Lord say, this is my plan for you, and to have heard the Lord say, this is the promise that I'm making to you. I will accomplish exactly what I desire to accomplish. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, can I simply remind you all of that is true for you as well? That for you and for me, God has revealed his identity to us through his word. He said, this is who I am. But not only that, he's also revealed his plan to us. Here is how you can be saved from your sins and brought into the family of God. And he's revealed his promise to us that if we are in Christ, that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will accomplish through us exactly what he desires to accomplish in our lives. And the promise is that he will make it happen. The promise made to Jacob here is the promises that we have received in Christ as well. You may be here this morning, and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I simply this morning want to say to you that there is one true God. He is the creator God. He created not only everything that you see around you, but things that you can't even see. And he is the God who knit you together in your mother's womb. That is who he is. And the problem that you have, the problem that every single person has, is that we are separated from a relationship with God because of our sin. But that is not what caught God off guard. God's plan from before the foundation of the world was set was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to lay his life down for you and for me so that if we trust in him, we can be forgiven of our sins and brought into the family of God. And if we'll take that step, his promise to us is that he will never leave us or forsake us, that we will be with him for all eternity. If you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ this morning, I want you to know who God is. I want you to know his plan to rescue you from your sin. I want you to know his promise to you if you will trust in him for salvation. We've seen God revealing himself to Jacob. But not only that, I want you to notice that Jacob responds to the Lord beginning in verse 16. In verse 16 and 17, first, Jacob responds to God in awe. It says in verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid. Read in that, he was absolutely terrified and amazed and awestruck all at the same time, having seen and heard from the Lord. And he says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. 
Jacob's response to having heard from the Lord who he was and what God's plan was and what God's promise was, was to step back for a second and just say, wow. See, the reality is, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, that is the step that you took when you first heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you were first confronted with the reality of who God is and who you are in light of him and that God doesn't just leave us to ourselves, that he offers rescue from our sin. When you hear that, the natural response is to step back and say, wow, what an amazing God. I want you to notice that that's not the only response that Jacob has. He doesn't just simply step back and go, wow, God's pretty amazing. I want you to notice that in verses 18 through verse 21, Jacob responds to God in faith. Notice verse 18, so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar, and he poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. The name of the city was Luz at the first. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. As you look in verse 18, he consecrates this stone that was his pillow. He's going to set it up as a stone of remembrance that this is the house of the Lord. That's what Bethel means. And in verse 20, this vow that he makes, I don't want you to read into this. The word if that's translated there at the beginning is not the best translation of that word. It's better translated since God will be with me. Jacob's not bargaining with the Lord in this moment and saying, well, God, if you will do this, then I will trust you. Now, what Jacob is saying is, God, I trust you since God will be with me since God will keep me in this way that I go, since God will give me bread to eat and since he will give me clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Notice this confession here. The Lord shall be my God. This is the moment we see Jacob not approach the Lord as if his faith is inherited from his grandfather or his father, but the Lord is his God. I just want to caution us this morning as we think about that. Because the reality is you cannot ride on the coattails of your parents or your grandparents' faith. Just because they follow Jesus doesn't automatically put you in the running to follow Jesus. Say, Pastor, then what is the step? It is trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. It is a personal decision for you. 
that you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. We see that Jacob takes the step in this moment of trusting in the Lord. He doesn't stop there, though. If you notice in verse 22, Jacob also responds to God in commitment. It says in verse 22, And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Jacob says, not only, God, am I trusting in you? Am I placing my faith in you? But hear me this morning, church. Faith, authentic faith, always has action on the back end of it. Authentic faith always bears fruit in our lives. And for Jacob in this moment, Jacob says, Lord, I am going to worship you. This stone I've set up as a pillar, this is your house. God, I am going to worship you. And not only that, God, I will give to you a full tenth. Not only, God, am I going to worship you as I consider that your presence is with me, but God, a tenth of everything that I earn is going to be given back to you as an act of worship. Let's all be honest with ourselves this morning. If you want to find out what you truly love, open your checkbook or your bank account and see where your money goes. It's just reality. And for Jacob in this moment, Jacob says, Lord, I will give a full tenth of everything to you as an act of worship. I just want to challenge you, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you don't currently practice tithing, can I encourage you this morning to take that step? Say, man, I didn't know we were going to come in after Black Friday and the pastor's going to talk about money. I spent it all already. But here's the thing, how we spend our money shows us where our heart is. And for Jacob, Jacob knowing that says to the Lord, God, not only am I going to worship you with my words, God, I'm going to worship you with what I own as well. I'm going to give a tenth to you. Jacob responds to God in awe, amazed at who God is. He responds to him in faith, trusting him to accomplish exactly what he said he would accomplish. He responds to him in commitment. Faith is always followed by action. Here's the thing this morning. God invites us to respond to him in the same way that Jacob did. You may be here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I want you to respond this morning in awe of a God who would seek to save you out of your sin. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, I want you to step back for just a moment, especially as we head in to celebrate communion this morning, and stand in awe of who God is and what He's done. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I encourage you this morning to respond by faith 
trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. We would love nothing more than to help you do that. If you're a follower of Jesus already, where is your commitment today? Is there fruit that is giving evidence to your faith in Jesus Christ? Faith is always followed by action. Would you bow your heads with me this morning as our worship team makes their way back up? This is an opportunity for you this morning to respond to the Lord for just a few moments together as we prepare our hearts to celebrate communion Maybe for you today, it's responding by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. We'd love to help you today. Maybe it's responding as a follower of Jesus this morning, simply in awe of who He is and what He's done. Maybe there's a commitment that you need to make this morning. Fruit that's evidence of what God has done in your life. Father, I ask right now that you would give us the courage that you would give us the ability to respond to you and to your word. God, use it to penetrate our hearts and challenge us and encourage us this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you, if you would, to stand for just a moment as... We have an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Our altar's open. Our pastors are down front. Maybe this is a moment for you to take that step of trusting Jesus as your Savior. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to take a step of commitment this morning before the Lord as a follower of Jesus. But let's quiet our hearts before God as we prepare to celebrate communion together as a church family.